G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. I went to see these women. I'm telling them a bit of my story and they're praying and then all of a sudden I switch. And what I mean by that is a kind of different part of me came up. And this part, which is just a part of my brain, kind of just switched into gear. And it's like a teenage part who just has this belief system that it's all her fault. The abuse. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, I just want to start off today by letting you know that we're going to be talking about a very, very heavy topic, Satanic Ritual Abuse, or SRA. So parents, you might want to have your children involved in an activity in another room as you listen to today's conversation. Our guest is Donna, who is a Satanic Ritual Abuse Survivor. Also joining us is Christian counsellor Deborah Battersby, who specialises in issues relating to childhood trauma and abuse and has counselled satanic ritual abuse survivors. Donna and Deborah are chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Donna and Deborah, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Eric. Glad to have you with us today. And we should start off talking about this very heavy topic with a definition. What is satanic ritual abuse? Satanic ritual abuse is a systematic type of abuse that is spiritual, sexual, physical, and psychological. And it basically is designed to split a child's mind through extreme torture and traumatic practices. And the spiritual component of it which is basically satanic, Mm. is to, I guess, invoke or invite demons as part of that, Mm. which takes it to a level which is outside of a general uh, abuse-type environment. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, Deborah, you specialize in this kind of area, or you've talked to several people who've gone through this? Uh, Yes, what Donna described is what I find is common amongst all the stories that I hear. And one way of looking at it is, from what you've told me before we started to record, is looking at what it isn't. I mean, we know in the Bible and what we know about God, in Psalm 23, that he makes us lie down in green pastures, that God and a good father, a good parent, is all about nurturing their child and wanting the best for them. And this is as far away from that as you possibly could be. I mean, this is where instead of nurturing the child, this is using the child for their own greedy, selfish desires and gratification. That's right. I think any type of abuse operates in a shame-based environment, and Mm. there's no real nurture there because it's a complete rejection of self And I think this kind of takes it to a different level is that there's not only a rejection of self, meaning I'm bad, I'm no good. This is the victim. The victim. And and the the child grows up Mm. in an environment like that and that I can't rely on my parents to give me a sense of worth 
or nurture. And then not only that, in order for the child to survive the extreme abuse, their mind fractures and dissociates, so splits, and those parts then believe that they are, you know, evil or dirty or whatever it is and may perform specific functions to survive. So that's a part of the abuse is being told you're no good, you're nothing. I mean, just being told lies about your worth. It's just part of it. Yes. So I've operated most of my life with those beliefs as unconscious to myself. I don't go around saying I'm evil and, you know, I'm mm. bad and, you know, and, and I'm worthless. But it would, for example, happen in my behavior or the types of things that I might choose to do and activities. And then behind that, again, is this kind of deep repressed revelation that that's essentially what I actually believe about myself. Mm. But these parents who are authority figures repeatedly as part of this whole satanic ritual abuse tell a child you're no good you're evil yes i mean that's that's how insidious and and evil this whole thing is yeah that's right and i think that's so that the child is silenced and mm. this child also believes that identity which is so far removed from a christ-centered identity mm, yeah. that to even kind of have notions that i or a, a victim could be good is really far removed from mm. anything that's kind of real and tangible. And so that essentially creates abusers. That creates perpetrators. That oh, creates so the, the generational it's a cycle. cycle. It's a generational continues. thing. I didn't become a, an abuser, mm. praise God, but I certainly turned that abuse inwards mm. and abused myself. Mm. And, and I think in relationships as well, you know, those close to us are often the ones that get hurt mm. through our behavior. Hurting people hurt. Now, let's go back to about seven years ago when you were at an extreme low point in your life. I came to this journey, and I say journey because that's kind of, I feel like, where it started because I was an alcoholic, or at least I had a, a massive drinking problem, and that just kept getting worse. And I was so depressed and moving away from kind of any life fulfillment. You know, I wanted to mm. be a good person. I wanted to have a successful career. I wanted to live a good life. But the more I kind of tried to do that, the harder it felt like it was to become a reality. But the irony is you were highly functioning. And I was successful. highly functioning. And I'm not sure about the say successful, <laughs> uh, but I certainly lived a life. Mm. Yeah. That, mm. that, that wasn't necessarily like I had a house and, or, or an apartment, you know, mm. those kind of things. Yeah. And, and I could function, but just inside, you know, I just felt so bad and I just wanted to die. Because of the lies you were told? Yeah. I think it was because of the lies. And I think that also, you know, when you're drinking as well, you, drinking down stuff, poison. And so, you know, my uh, my thinking was just so negative, but I also didn't have any real language to tell you. Mm. I had no concept of how I felt. I felt numb. So underneath the numbness was this pain, but it wasn't something that I could tell you. That's how I felt. I just didn't feel right. And so I ended up going to AA, Alcoholics mm. Anonymous. And basically it was, you know, really through getting sober that – I started to follow what people in AA said, which was basically, you know, you've got to find God. And I was raised a Catholic. And so my... They mentioned a higher power. A higher power, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, God, higher power. Mm -hmm. And my concept of, of a higher power or God was what I grew up with as a Catholic. And that was that 
you know, God is up in the sky and going to punish me and that essentially I'm going to go to hell. And I didn't want to turn to God. You know, I didn't so want that, that. was your conception? That was my conception of God, yeah. Mm. And so I came across this book. A couple of things happened. I came across a book called Recovering from Religious Abuse and it was a Christian book. And I'm like, okay, uh, roll my eyes, Christian. So but you weren't looking for a Christian book? I wasn't book. looking for you a Christian book. I just was looking. Help. I needed help. And I came across this book. Um, and, you know, to get to know God through, you know, AA is telling me I've got to get to know God. So I go, okay, well, you know, religious abuse, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I'll read this book. It's a 90-day program. And it was in, it encouraged me to write to God. And so I did every day. I did my little 90 day program and I wrote to God. I don't, you know, I don't believe in you. If you, do you really exist? You know, all these kind of anger moments. And oh, so you're letting them have it both barrels. I'm letting God have it. <laughs> and then, and so I do that. And, you know, that's sort of just sitting there. And then AA says, you know, you should pray every morning and, and close your eyes and kind of think about your day. And one day, you know, I did that and, uh, Jesus appeared. It's a vision that I have and it's, I'm on a beach. I see Jesus. I don't really know who Jesus is, but I kind of have a concept from my childhood, and I, I just kind of know that that's who this person is in the vision, and I just start following him on the beach. He's walking, I follow. You're listening to The Story. Today, our guest is Donna, who's a satanic ritual abuse survivor. It's otherwise known as SRA. Also taking part in the conversation is Christian counsellor Deborah Battersby, who specialises in issues relating to childhood trauma and abuse. We'll have more of Donna's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401-132-888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today, once again, I want to remind you that we're dealing with a very heavy topic, satanic ritual abuse. Our guest is Donna, who is a satanic ritual abuse survivor. Also taking part in the conversation is Christian counsellor Deborah Battersby, who specialises in issues relating to childhood trauma and abuse. She has also counselled satanic ritual abuse survivors. Before the break, Donna shared how she had a vision of Jesus. Now, we'll find out what happened next in her life. Soon after that, I feel this strong desire to go to church. And now that's definitely not of me because I don't want to go back to church, right? And thankfully, I'm in a city. So I found a, a Baptist church that seemed to be, you know, a little bit kind of progressive and it's Christian. And I went into this church and people are there and they kind of seem really normal, a little daggy, and they're singing and the song gets me and I'm like starting to cry and they're like, they're not great singers either. <laughs> so there's just something going on here that's, you know, beyond me and the music. And I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like there's healing in this place. You know, I should keep going back. Interesting that the music was somehow touching something deep the inside of you. The music was touching me, yeah. And mm. and I think I just trusted that. I trusted mm. that. You know, I was desperate. I was really, really desperate. I mm. wanted to be well. I did. And mm. Donna, I just yeah. wonder, what was it like for you to have to, like being confronted with wanting to trust this something that you didn't really understand? It was so hard. 
and I just wrestled with that. But because I, I think it was just because I was in so much pain and desperation yeah. that it's like I kind of had no choice but to start to wrestle with it. I had been looking for something before that, you know, like before the journey of getting sober, you know, I tried so many new age practices, which is really, in a, in a sense, it's actually about like the universe and there's a spiritual dynamic to it. So it's not like I wasn't necessarily open to that exploration. I just didn't understand what God meant within the context of a church mm. framework because of my past. Yeah. So that's sort of opened up a whole new journey for you. It opened up a whole new journey. And I started to meet these Christians that talked about this relationship with Jesus and God. And I'm like, relationship? I didn't know God was about a relationship. No one told me that. Mm. So what was your concept of relationship? Given your background, when you're thinking about relationship with Jesus, relationship with God, what did that conjure up for you? I'm going to get hurt. Wow, that was your that was your honest response? Yes. Because of what everything you've been through? Relationships are not safe. Relationships, I will get hurt and someone will die. Wow. And that is ultimately the belief system that I was operating under. I can articulate that now. I couldn't at the time. Yeah. So it was really, really scary. Yeah, so that was a real risk for you. It was a real risk. But I did trust the people that I met because they were really nice. And again, I was desperate. <laughs> so I kind of yeah. didn't have a choice. God got me. I feel like mm. God kind of made me an alcoholic to come back to him, um, <laughs> you know, which is a sort of funny, you know, way yeah. to, to think about it. But that's just how I reconcile it. Yeah. And I guess that's where God moves in mysterious ways. Yeah. Yeah. So you're back in this church with these strange people? So I go to this church and then they they talk about baptism and I'm meeting the pastor and he's talking to me every week and I say to him, who wrote the Bible? And he's like, well, come and have coffee. And so we meet every week and he gets me to read the Bible and we talk about it. and, And it's just healthy because it's healthy for me to sit with somebody and be able to ask questions Mm -hmm. because I wasn't allowed to ask questions. It was like when I grew up, it's like that's just what you believe. Like that's it. So what was it like for you? Because I'm thinking that's relationship right there, meeting with this pastor. Relationships aren't safe. They're scary. Yet you're meeting with this pastor that you really don't know. So what was that like for you? That was okay because I think that just because relationships are scary and not safe doesn't necessarily mean that I can't have relationships. Mm. Like relationships just exist whether or not we like them. Mm. It's just how we do relationships. Mm. So as an abuse survivor, and this is very common, is that because we had no boundaries, they were literally stripped from us. Mm. You know, it's actually quite easy for me to go quite deep quite quickly with somebody. Mm. I have no issues with that. And that's likely because I don't have boundaries. <laughs> I've mm. had to learn that. And so I think in a respect, that was a really good thing. Mm. Um, and also he was an older man. I know. And I think the other thing is, as well as being a survivor, especially in something that's spiritual, is that I, my intuition is quite strong. Yeah. Like yeah. I know on a gut level at times, I'm not saying that that's not completely flawed, <laughs> yeah. but I do know on a you, you felt comfortable and I safe did. with him. I did. And so that was a, a healthy thing, a good thing? It was a really healthy thing. And then he, we talked about baptism. He helped me. I, not that he like cajoled me or anything, but I think there was like a, 
I think I was feeling like, well, what next? Mm. Yeah, sure. Okay. I'm open to this thing of having a relationship with God. Like, what does that mean? Oh, okay. So like the next step is you get baptized, you know, and that's what I did. And I'd been baptized as a baby, but I feel that baptism is a choice. It's mm-hmm. an adult choice that we should make. And so I got baptized and all these Christians came to it and it was like this big event and it was really weird for me and, but it was kind of special too. And, and I think probably it was after the baptism or maybe it was around that time. Yeah, that's when maybe the spiritual warfare started to, to happen. Now, what about, I know a lot of times it goes, you put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and then you're baptized. But it sounds like this was all kind of mixed together. Or? It was all mixed together. Like, I think the concept of putting my faith in Jesus was, I definitely accepted Jesus through you know, that moment. And I think it was also, I accept that whatever I was doing in my life was not working. Mm-hmm. And I just want God yeah. to mm-hmm. heal me and change me. Kind of like the agnostics prayer. God, if you're there, help. <laughs> yeah. And, and then that relationship and understanding Jesus, you know, mm-hmm. like that's still a massive process for me. So that was the beginning of your journey. That was the beginning mm-hmm. of my journey. And I guess. So I'm getting sober and I'm getting into church and I'm having this experience as a kind of new baby Christian Mm -hmm. and I'm going along and doing my things that you do, like you read your Bible and I'm finding out about God and who I am Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm sober for the first time, you know, like months and and then at the same time I'm really depressed and I actually want to kill myself and there's voices in my head constantly telling me that I should die and I'm a bad person. So on the one hand, you're getting, I'm thinking like living water, you know, your, your soul is thirsty and you're getting this living water. So, and it's quenching your soul and it's giving you fulfillment. But at the same time, I don't want to live. And every night I'm going to bed and I'm like, God, just, I don't want to wake up. And sometimes the best that I could do is just say, help me. So you think this is the satanic? Yeah spiritual warfare going yeah. on because obviously and, and, satan, and a deep depression yeah. as well you know. satan doesn't want you getting no healthy. no not at all and so i went to the doctor and got antidepressants and that did help and i needed that because it did help me mm-hmm. just to to just moderate that thinking a little bit and i also uh, went into therapy and then at the same time i met this woman at the church who told me about prayer ministry and god had had led me to stuff on the internet so I knew that this stuff existed and I felt called. I can't tell you why, how, I just did. And so I found this place that was in Melbourne and I went to see these women. And, you know, there's one older Christian woman, you know, that sort of very typical daggy Christian woman with their socks up and, and then this other woman that kind of looked like a real estate agent. And there's two, like, just this odd bunch. And, you know, they're, they're kind of like, praying i'm telling you a bit of my story and they're praying and then all of a sudden i switch and what i mean by that is a kind of different part of me came up and i could Mm. say that you know maybe that part was like 16 a bit younger and really believed that it was her fault that the abuse was her fault it's like a teenage part who just has this belief system that it's all her fault the abuse from the teenager's point of view. But but from the lady who's praying for Oh, she's point totally view, she's across like, this. No, well, no, 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 no. She, well, she, she knows. She oh, knows. Really? She's met many people like this, oh, okay. right? She knows that there's a spiritual dynamic here. And so she just invites Jesus into this whole process. 
And that's when I knew the power of Christ. Because I'm telling you that these two women on their own could not have battled much. <laughs> you don't know but if they had Jesus on their side. But they had Jesus on their side. And in those, in so this teen part kind of came out. There was a sense of the demonic presence hmm. within this room. You know, I'm sensing snakes. There was evil in the room, and I was full of fear. And these women didn't bat an eyelid. They just invited Jesus into the room, and kind of all seemed to dissipate in a sense. So they, they get, oh, we got. This. Jesus is stronger than totally, us. Totally, right? Wow. And I'm. That's cool. And and that's not to say by any moment that at that point in time did I walk away from that room going, I'm mm. healed, I'm mm. fixed, because I wasn't. In fact, still, that's still on actually, a journey. Yeah, I was on a journey, and that was just the beginning. But mm. what that showed me was that one, oh, my suspicions, which was that I had been a ritual abuse survivor. Right, and mm-hmm. this is just like again, just that intuition. Because blocked out. I blocked memories. out a lot, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of things that are kind of, I guess, coming back happened. to you, little coming bits back. and pieces. Yeah. So what you're describing there is what a lot of survivors report, and that's having amnesic memories. Yes. That it's not until something happens that starts to trigger them, and often accepting Jesus into your life can what I kind of refer to as being like it's almost like the crowbar that lifts the lid on what's been buried. Yes, uh, that's right. Where Yes, so I'd, I'd kind of had a sense of this, but, yeah. but I didn't have Jesus before that. So I think that God was probably protecting me. Mm. And also, you know, I was a drinker and took drugs. And so there was anything that would take mm. my edge off being able to be present mm. to even the yeah. notion of, of yeah. hearing or feeling mm. or sensing. So that were the ways you self-medicated to keep the pain at a manageable level. That's right. And remember, I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. So yes. I'm going into this environment with these women. I've already invited Jesus into my heart, mm. and they speak directly into this space. Mm. There's so a spiritual battle going on It was on a here. spiritual battle. Yeah. So I left the session, mm. and I speak to my Christian friend who's just kind of, you know, loves to hear this stuff, and, and we sort of talk about it. But I'm in shock. You know, I'm in shock at the concept that, like, oh, my gosh, like, what does this mean? And also, hang on a sec. Well, what's shocking you? Like, it's shocking me that I've got different personalities or different parts. And how can I, how can my memory be siphoned off in this way? You know, Mm. like, it's shocking. And it's Mm. like, well, what, what does that mean for even my existence? And that it's fractured and like, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. And if I'm not remembering stuff like what's happened but also am i even kind of real now you know like it kind of throws up the whole so for you your your whole sense of reality your whole sense of identity is now brought into question of what you what you think what you believe what you know yeah and so i saw these women but i only saw them like once every couple of months and it wasn't enough because what they did, and this is no disrespect to them, they were doing the, yeah, the good imagine. thing, yeah. but they, they'd opened up stuff. Yeah. And so mm. that's when the suicidal programming, basically that I should go and kill myself, really kicked in. Mm. Praying was so hard. I have voices in my head saying, stop, I'm burning, I'm burning. And yeah. so I couldn't pray. And so, again, the best I could do was just go to bed and just like, God, help me. And, like, it was a whisper. And, you know, that took months until I felt safe enough Mm. to 
be able to pray again. Mm-hmm. And, and again, Satan is not liking you getting closer to God. No, and wants to stop me at all mm-hmm. levels, you mm-hmm. know, but I'm yeah. still doing the work. Right? I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to my little AA meetings, I'm going to church, I'm studying and just getting reading on with Bible. life. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, not so much at that stage of reading the Bible. That mm-hmm. came later. Okay. So what I realized is that seeing these women wasn't enough. I needed to go to battle. Right, I needed to go all guns blazing hmm. because actually I really felt that I was probably going to go kill myself. Wow. Um, so yeah. that's when God led me to a woman overseas who had a prayer ministry and she did it via Skype. And I reached out to her and I said, look, I think I'm a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. Can you help me? Like I'll just give you a donation to you, your ministry because she did it for free basically. And that's when the real, again, the other part of the journey happened. So I started to speak to her once a week and then it became like three times a week over a three, four year period where we, and we, we built a relationship. And it was really through Patricia that that's when I started to read the Bible and that she really helped me clean up a lot of my life. So church and that experience was not enough for me. I had to go really, really deep and intensive. Okay, we're going to stop you right there because we've run out of time for this first conversation with Donna and our Christian counselor, Deborah Battersby, is with us as well. So we're going to invite you to come back again next time to share more of your story. Will that be okay, Donna? That'd be great. Thanks. Okay, as we just heard, that was part one of our conversation with satanic ritual abuse survivor Donna sharing her story. We'll hear more of Donna's amazing journey to healing next time. Also taking part in today's conversation was Christian counsellor Deborah Battersby, who specialises in issues relating to childhood trauma and abuse and has counselled satanic ritual abuse survivors. It was fascinating to hear how God has built into our minds an ability to block out traumatic experiences in our childhood as a form of self-protection. However, in extreme cases like Donna's, this can result in a person experiencing a multiple personality disorder as an adult, otherwise known as disassociative identity disorder. Next time, we'll hear how Jesus brings healing to people who've been severely traumatised by abuse in their childhoods. Until then, when we'll hear more of Donna's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Outwardly, everything's okay, but I think kind of underneath, you know, I just know like I'm still really fractured and because I don't have the full memories back or full healing, you know, I think it's just that kind of continual battle for me because I think for me, you know, my default is constantly, you know, that I'm bad, that I'm evil. And so that's actually like operate sadly kind of underneath my day-to-day existence. Once again, Donna joins us to share her journey to healing from the severe ritual abuse she experienced as a child. Sadly, she was so severely traumatised that she began to experience a multiple personality disorder as an adult. We'll hear how Jesus brings healing to her life next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.